0: Listeners and hello to our new ones, our subscribers, our friends with you as always, I'm Top Toes and joining me covering for any tonight. Um, you may remember from a couple episodes we've had uh, where we called her the kinky darling of Twitter,
1: uh, ah. Miss
0: <laughs> Molly Cocktail.
1: Hi, Top. It's good to be back.
0: Uh, thanks for joining me again it's
1: the follow it's it's the holidays so this is exciting
0: yeah god the holidays Mm. already getting burnt out we're not even there yet
1: i know i know we gotta hang in there
0: so uh still um still the kinky darling of twitter or is it x now
1: it's X now. yeah. I
0: refuse. I absolutely I, refuse. It's
1: always gonna be Twitter to me. It will always be Twitter. I you know, call it what you want. It's Twitter. It's the bird app. It will always be the bird app. so
0: yeah, and since we last talked on the show, um, I went from being all about Instagram to being um, you know, an exile from Instagram and finding my place in the Twitter world. and I think you've you've given me some tips along the way and I appreciate that. a oh, pleasure
1: my pleasure uh,
0: but yes i feel, i must be the jinx of all platforms cuz i show up on twitter and uh 2 days later elon musk buys it and it no. to
1: destroy it oh jesus oh no yeah it, i i don't i don't know what elon's up to it's like it's be such a narcissist It's like you know what i'm just going to buy a whole platform so i can it seems he bought it so he could just be a bully. Like this is my sandbox and you know, now you got to pay for it and shit. If you want, like if you want to have good content, if you want to have like longer content or longer videos, you know, you got to subscribe to blue and the blue check Mark and all that. No,
0: don't, don't sound so, so sad about it because I know that you are, are a Twitter blue I know, um, and not on your own dime because you've got some, uh, some some good little uh boys to take care of you
1: on that. <laughs> um well yeah that that's a, that's a whole other topic. Um that's that's DS relationships in the real world that correspond to the Twitter world and I'm sure we'll touch base on that.
0: And I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will. Um what interests me since the last time we talked is uh you have really found your way into the foot community a lot more than you were
1: yeah yeah um i mean i primarily been using if we're talking about like twitter right i've primarily been using twitter in my usual fashion which is like sort of semi-journaling semi-blurbing lots of photography pictures and of course the occasional you know little treat here and there where i talk about the king community or i talk about bdsm or you know, dynamics or fetishes and stuff like that. But, yeah, um, I feel like I'm in my full dom foot era. <laughs> Which is... And
0: uh, as you expressed it to me, your slut renaissance?
1: Am I... I don't think it's a slut renaissance. I think, you know, I think it's more of a, I am totally in my own skin a mm. and And finally feeling that, like, i guess the full the full weight of my power as a dom adopting the dom role um and it yeah it's it's just another side to my you know the many sides of my personality but this one i'm nourishing this one i'm giving a lot of credence to because it feels right like everything feels right right that's
0: that's the way to be and it, it you when you said it something clicked with me because we are always both on the show and in our telegram chat, nourishing guys in being comfortable in their skin as foot fetishes. And I never thought about it is the being comfortable in your skin as, but that's the advice we give more than anything. Um, and, you know, I think no matter what role, where you are, where you're taking your life, I think once you find comfort in acknowledging who you are, you're just so much better at whatever it is you're doing.
1: Exactly. Exactly. It's like, and, you know, to be clear, my, my DS interactions, right. Those are, those are separate from, those are separate from feelings, right. Those are more, those are like visceral impulses that, you know, we, and we're I, I know we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about non monogamy and polyamory soon, but yeah, I feel like I just feel like this is the time of my life at this age, at this stage of where I am, where this portion of me needs to be at the foreground because I feel really good about myself. like good you know, I feel good about my body. I feel good about my face. I feel good about the direction of my life, the love I have in my life. Like all of those things are in place, right? So you know, it's it's time. It's time to let a little badass out.
0: Yeah, it's I give advice. I don't I don't like to be an advisor. I, I consider myself and I think you fall in the same. I am an anthropologist of kink. I have. That's
1: a great way to describe it, by the way. I
0: spent so much of my life observing the kink community in so many different facets and in New York city and Boston and Los Angeles and uh, in the, the foot community and the, the full BDSM dungeon scene and all different in the party scene, all different things. Um, You know, and I consider myself a, a, an anthropologist, but That does lead me to giving advice because I have this life experience. Right. And I give this advice that sometimes I feel is hard to take because the people hearing me aren't like me and they're now, I officially have to say, late 40s. Um, And the confidence of being in your forties and having lived the lives that, and I know we've lived similar lives.
1: Mm -hmm. Very true.
0: Having lived those lives and experienced those things and allowed ourselves to experience those things is freeing. And one might say, Oh, it's a shame that you didn't find yourself until then. And I think it's amazing to find or redefine yourself at this point in our lives, because we do have the freedom of understanding who we are.
1: Exactly. And that, I think that's the blessing of age. So I don't feel, you know, I'm a woman of a certain age. I'm nearly 50 years old. Right. But I've never felt younger. I've never felt younger. And I think that's just, that's the gift of, of aging. Is that the, you, you sort of strip out the unimportant and I hate to use the term you stop giving a shit but you really do stop giving a shit about the little picadillos and the little the stuff that used to plague you like you don't care so much what people think what, what their opinions it was, are
0: it was you, very eloquently put in Fight Club the movie and I believe the book the freedom of Does not matter to completely fall aside.
1: Exactly. A nail on the head right there. Exactly. Like in a wiser
0: man than me. Yeah.
1: Well, in my life, the priorities are love, 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 love. That's that's it. Those are my priorities. It's the people in my real world that I interact with on a on a day-to-day basis. You know, it's it's the onus is on me to give them the full measure of my love and attention and remind them that they're loved every day. But I also take some of that and I I try to bring it to the digital world as well. You know, I'm not one of those people that's out there on Twitter, like blasting and bitching about everything and trolling and stuff like that. I, I try to bring a little bit of that love that I experience, that I'm blessed to experience, right? And a little bit of that confidence and a little bit of that Dom, that Dom confidence into the digital world and share it with other people because you know, it's life is too short. We, we always say that it's it's way too short to give a fuck. And it's, if you have a little extra love, share it. If you have a little extra wisdom, share it. If you have a little extra knowledge, share it because all those things mean nothing if they're not freely exchanged, right?
0: Well, I think that, that absolutely hits the nail on the head of what you and I have decided we want to talk about because I think in both of our experience as being people who are looked on in the kink community to provide some answers, whether they be reluctant or otherwise, aside from our own specific kinks and apart from those, in fact, kind of the second most popular thing we both get asked about because, you know, obviously you and I've talked and we know everybody wants to know about non-monogamy or polyamory
1: or yeah. whatever
0: label you want to put it on.
1: Yeah, and oddly enough, Twitter is a very, very interesting um, place to to talk about I, I you know non-monogamy or um polyamory because it happens in secret on twitter which i think is there's a term to that there's uh,
0: well i thought the term for non-monogamy in secret is just cheating
1: uh, one would think right but yes you're not wrong over my not many, wrong,
0: but I'm overgeneralizing.
1: Right. And, and what I've discovered over my many, 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 many years on the Twitters, on the Bird app, the reality is there's a lot of people out there that are not ready to say, I want multiple partners, right? They're still sort of boxed into that one life, one wife way of thinking, um and you see a lot of people that are married and for the most part we'll say happily married that begin online love affairs with other people that they meet on twitter in my opinion it's human it's normal it's it's i don't judge that a lot of people are very harsh you know, and they, they're like, there's the term on Twitter, I'm sure you've heard it top, the, the term TC, which stands for Twitter crush, right? Mm, it, yes. And that generally applies to someone who is, you know, it's a person who is married, right, who catches feels for someone online and the person they catch feels with is their Twitter crush, et cetera. And people are, are very harsh about that instead of saying, well, you know what, maybe human beings... We aren't meant to be monogamy, to be we're, monogamous, excuse me.
0: Uh, I've always said we're not penguins, right? And the reason I say that is when you look at the entirety of the animal population of the earth, the only major species of animal that practices full monogamy are penguins, and I think it just has nice to, to do with you,
1: the, isn't it? It's it so
0: is. And you see those cute things, otters who hold hands to, to not float down the river apart from each other. But humans, primates, are not inherently monogamous.
1: No, we're not. we're not. The
0: male drive to spread the seed across a wide range of females to continue to diversify the population is suppressed and I will always lean back on, is suppressed by uh, two things, the religious world and the general concept of property.
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, I think if, if you set aside religion, that there is an upside to, to monogamous relationships, and I've had plenty of them in my time. In fact, um, if I fall in love with someone right? This, this is, this is my Achilles heel. When I fall in love, nothing else exists but that person. I I don't, I don't want to be, you know, poly. I don't want to be non-monogamous. I want to devote my heart, my being to the person I'm in love with.
0: There Um, are, there are so many different polys. So that's something we need to get into. Right. But what you're describing has been called serial monogamy.
1: I know it's cute, isn't it? Well, no,
0: we're not we're not talking about uh, frosted flakes, but
1: <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, Frost, frosted flakes! Oh my god! Can we call like I, I? That just made like a pun pop into my head for real. I'm thinking like you said, frosted flakes, and now I'm thinking corn flakes. And of course, we're talking kinky, so can we call them porn flakes? <laughs> <laughs> All uh, right, cornflakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, what but, I was what I was saying was um, before I diverted. I apologize.
0: Oh, I I think I di- derailed you too, but that's bound to happen through this whole. Time. You
1: and I do that a lot, though. Yeah, we do that a lot. Um, you were sort of pointing to religion as being sort of a vested, a vestige, you know, a, a brick wall around um, what is expected. In, in relationships, you know, monogamy being up there. I, but I also think there is a school of thought that says that monogamy, right, it provides a level of security as well. Um, it, it makes people feel safe to be in a committed monogamous relationship.
0: Mm, yeah, where, where I may argue for the um, genetic mandate which says poly is the way to go you're in the maslow's hierarchy of needs
1: i think yeah. so yeah i mean i i definitely agree that there is a there is an irrefutable biological component particularly when we are talking about heterosexual men um there is a biological component that says spread 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 the seed you know as y- you can no more fight biology, right? It's, it's, just, it's just part of what it is to be a human animal. Um, but it's nice to see what, what I've sort of silently observed as I'm looking out. Again, I'm going to talk mostly about Twitter. As I'm looking out and as time goes by, there are more and more traditionally monogamous couples, married couples, right? people in long-term relationships who are opening up to the possibility that one person may not be enough for all their needs. And it's okay to talk about it. And I think if we just start a conversation about it, lift the veil about it, hopefully we get closer to who we really are as as a species, as a community. You know that's what I always try to do.
0: Absolutely. So here's a, a, a question not a rhetorical but not something I expect you to have an answer but a, a question for discussion for you. Sure. Polyamory isn't a kink but it is very very strongly tied to the kink community. Yes. Why?
1: Um, that's a It's kind of a tricky question to answer, so I'm going to give you my best guess.
0: All I can hope for?
1: It's all you can hope for, right? Um, I think most couples find and discover their poly when they sort of get their first taste of kink. For example, a couple looking to spice something up Right. May go to a club or to, you know, a munch, some sort of kink event and say, oh, okay, that turns me on. I like that. You know, I'm looking at this and I'm looking at that. And if we look at something complex that somebody might be wanting to discover that a a couple might want to get into together, like shibari, right? You can't just pick up a length of rope and start tying your partner up <laughs> with any precision, right? You may, without, <laughs> you may kill them. Without
0: risk of harm.
1: Right, so you go to a shibari class together and the next thing you know, you're interacting with other couples who strolled into the, to the, this world the same way you did and it there's i think that makes it safe to start l- not you know not immediately fucking other people but you you feel more open to the idea of well this person has a little bit more experience in rope than my wife does than my boyfriend does and I want to and oh i'm sorry and i you know i want to spend some time with this person learning and feelings develop and the next thing you know you and your spouse or you and your your girlfriend or whatever your dynamic is are sitting down and talking about hey we want to explore as much as possible because it's it nurtures our relationship And wouldn't it be cool to explore with other people who know a little bit more than we do, who share the thoughts and feelings than we do? And I think that's how it happens. It happens organically when couples sort of want to take their relationship to slightly darker places sexually. And that's my best guess.
0: And where, where I was thinking, as you were saying that, when I first got involved in the dungeon scene, I noticed what I might call a sort of polyamory light. These weren't necessarily people who were identifying as polyamorous, but people would go to a dungeon and maybe use the equipment there to play in within a kink they both shared. And one or both of them would notice a different kink being expressed and eventually they would go to the dungeon together and play with other people because they would be able to explore the other kinks that didn't necessarily overlap between them as a couple
1: exactly but
0: that was just play partners they weren't romantic engagements per se although it's hard to split romantic out of your kink but they weren't sexual they weren't traditionally sexual there was no Plus well, the dungeon scene that you don't get a lot of penetrative sex, but there, there was a, there was a very, very fuzzy line between poly and not poly, and being able to have different play partners for different types of BDSM activities. Right, Their and your partner I... might be into paddles and things like that, and that they like that, but they also one partner wants to explore, as you suggested, Shibari, and they might explore Shabari with a different
1: play partner Mm -hmm. and i don't know topsy i get like to me i I get kind of fuzzy headed with all the labels you know i
0: agree i'm not a fan of micro labeling
1: right and i just look i know if we were to take the standard definition of polyamory it means many loves it means you know i'm in love with this gentleman and i'm also in love with this woman, and this gentleman, and together we are open and honest and share our love, et cetera. But I think that polyamory is multifaceted. I think it can also be, hey, I am in love with this man. However, this man does not share the same outlook on certain, you know, facets. Minutia of my sexuality. And, and because we're in love and because we support one another, he wants me to be happy and allows me to explore those facets with others outside the realm of love. But to, to me, that is still polyamory because it's an act of love. There, right? there
0: are so many different polyamories. Yeah. And even among the people I know, two people who like to spend their weekends at a swingers club, partner swapping. Right. Now a lot of people assume that all polyamorous people are swingers,
1: but they're not.
0: Certainly, we're not. Um, a couple who know another couple and like to get involved on a in a weekend foursome.
1: Yeah, and I, I mean that's to me, it's like again, the standard definition of polyamory is many loves. I, I don't ascribe that, to me, Polly is more akin to multiple experiences that are open and honest with a primary partner. So if it's like if you're married or you have a boyfriend or whatever, so long as you're open and honest and ethical about it, that's it. That's poly to me. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, when I fall in love, forget it move aside all others because I'm only going to be focused on on the one I love that's it that's it I don't want to go I will put the riding crop down <laughs> I don't I won't I will abandon that side um, of me unless of course the person I'm in love with wants to explore that but it's more important to me to to nurture those intense feelings um, and to make that person, the recipient of my love feels singular. That's far more important than, than kink. Um, Mm. But eventually, you know, when you're in love with someone, you may decide, hey, let's, uh, let's go to a dungeon tonight. And he may see a woman or a man that arouses him. I'm okay with this. A lot of, I, I know that a lot of people won't, wouldn't be and might not understand it, but I, it doesn't, If you love someone, right? Polyamory for me is is acting from love. If you love them, you want them to be happy, even if it's not with you. That's what it is to me.
0: Yeah, and I think that's that's a good point where a lot of, especially the the um, the polyamorous couples, the the spouses, where there is a um, you know a, a first, maybe a primary and in primary is a weird definition anyway but where there's a first relationship right that that is the universal that both parties in that first relationship see that my partner's happiness may involve me them having sex with somebody else and that is is part of their love for each other
1: yeah the, and, the and
0: allowance
1: Exactly, and I—it's you know the old the old guard of you know relationship must be one man, one woman, and one you know one love and all. That. It's, I think is is falling away, and it, well, it's. I
0: remember that there was an old guard of poly that thought that if you're not in a throuple occupying the same roof, you're not truly poly.
1: Exactly, so I think I think we're finally moving towards a point. Um in I call them alt lifestyles right that's that's Mm -hmm. what I refer to it as it's a normal lifestyle to me but for most people it's it's um it's fringe because it's it's again it doesn't fall into that one man one woman type thing so in the I think alt lifestyles are finally moving to the foreground non-monogamy is moving to the foreground polyamory is moving to the foreground kink is more prevalent and far less veiled than it ever was at any point in time and
0: we always
1: that's fucking progress in, to me in
0: all in lifestyle i think we always benefit from hollywood as trite as that sounds the foot fetish community has benefited from Quentin Tarantino.
1: Oh, I was gonna I was gonna say, you know, I was just gonna say that. I was gonna say, yes, yeah, thank thank goodness for Quentin Tarantino. Although he generally picks really disgusting feet. <laughs> Uma Thurman has the I can Selma Hayek's feet, beautiful. Okay. Yes,
0: That that was definitely his his crowning achievement. And we we always love that one because it's he wrote a movie with finally with a woman with good feet with this amazing scene that even non foot fetishists can think is hot as hell. Cause who's not going to drink a shot off a hot woman's foot. And then who does he cast in it himself?
1: <laughs> I know it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, but bless him mm-hmm. for at least taking, you know, taking the shame off of it. And it's amazing when I, you know, when I talk to people on Twitter, just even just casually, um, I try to get them to see feet in a different light. You know, if you set a scene properly and you you explain, listen, this is, this is a woman that you love or a man that you love, right? That you, you have these intense feelings for, and you're attracted to every facet of their being that includes their feet. And, there's nothing disgusting about it. There's nothing strange about it. it's a it we're human beings. We're constructed of all you know all different parts, and if you truly love someone, you love everything the and, good the good, the bad, and the weird. you know and I also
0: think that if you are impassioned, having some lust, yes. the smell of a person is. Intoxicating. intoxicating
1: it's intoxicating exactly and the
0: smell of a person's feet is just so much more a concentration of that
1: and that's not like for me that's not a thing like I know there's plenty of foot fetishes that are into the you know the intense smell mm. for me it's I like my feet bathed um, bathed oiled played with I like them pretty and feminine, you know, I'm not into the whole, the dude wants to smell my feet thing. I don't have a problem with that whatsoever, but I want them looking fucking pristine because if he does what I like, he's getting a foot job. Mm. And, And nothing is more fun than giving a guy an, an, we'll we'll say heteronormative guy right a guy who's never explored kink or you know certain paraphilias or anything like that right there is nothing more thrilling in life than breaking that wall down for someone who's heteronormative when when they're like ah, i they want to fuck right they're they're kind of giving off the fuck boy vibe and you just put your pretty little feet in their lap you are just to- wor- And work your toes up the thigh. And the next thing they know, you know, they're like, holy shit, she's, I'm getting, you know, she's jerking me off with her feet. And this is something that I've never even considered as a possibility of being even remotely attractive.
0: You just accidentally stumbled into one of the absolute most common foot fetishist fantasies. And for us, it's always fantasy. Well,
1: go maybe the idea
0: of the forced <laughs> worship, the forced, because there's so much. There, there's still an inherent part of the foot fetish that has a, a shame aspect to it. So, oh. almost all foot fetishists have at one time espoused the the forced worship fantasy. Mm-hmm. Except you've just discussed it and explained it. And it was real, not the foot fetishist fantasy. You were dealing with a non-foot fetishist guy.
1: Uh, Yeah. And that's, that's generally how it's occurred for me. Um, Is that if I look, this is something, this is, I, I, I get it. My kink is not your kink, but my goal is always to try to get people to look at sex and, you know, not through such a, such fucking tunnel vision and come at it from a place of love, it's fucking limitless. So yeah, the guy, you know, the heteronormative dude that just wants to stick his dick in you, um, there's a way to, you know, to, to get him to think differently using tactility and seduction and, you know, altering the perception and he gets what he wants and i get what i want and a whole new world opens in his mind it becomes less taboo and more like wow this is pure primal passion and and i think that goes back to what you were saying about smell smell is very primal like for me yes. I, I was just talking about this yesterday like one of my biggest like grr type things is a man that's sweaty, that smells underarms, forearms, the back of the neck. Like there's so much pheromone and it's so concentrated and it sort of brings out the wolf in me, right? And I'm just, ah, got to have it. And that's, I think that's exactly what occurs with a lot of foot fetishes too when, when we're talking about smell. It's just- yeah. It's and primal. It, we
0: do, we do, unfortunately, suffer the label of the assumption that we're all submissives,
1: and you're not. No,
0: there's there are a lot of foot fetishes who are, who could very much fit under the label of primal. It's yes, not something you would normally think to ascribe to them. Exactly. But again, labeling, which is not necessary,
1: right? And it's it's more like, okay, are you? Are you let the labels go. Open your mind a little bit. You don't have to open it a lot, just a little crack, you know, one little crack in the wall. When you're with a trusted partner or someone you love or somebody you have feelings for and there's trust there, it's fucking limitless where you can go together. Um, And sometimes that includes into the arms of other people together. And it's okay there's to me, there's no shame in any of it. The only shame is not talking about it, is keeping it secretive. That's when it moves from healthy exploration to flat out cheating. You know, if you be, because if you're with a partner and you don't feel like you can be honest about who you are, about your feelings, about your sexuality, because people, some people ex- discover late in life. Their sexuality is not quote heteronormative.
0: Well, you you know me well enough to know that was me. Yeah, and I think I kind of stumbled into figuring out my poly around the same same time I stumbled into figuring out my bisexuality. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people would look at it and go, "Oh, well, of course, then yeah, now you're you're late in life bisexual. Now you want to have men, so you're obvi- obviously have to be poly." and the one has nothing to do with the other for me.
1: Right. For me. Your sexual preferences do not whatsoever determine how many or how few partners you take on. It's absurd to co- to even like correlate the two, right?
0: Yeah, I mean it does seem that bisexuality is a is a good reason to be poly. But right. it- it makes sense. I mean, it does we also sense. know the queer community hasn't been exactly been known for their monogamy, anyway.
1: Right, but there's—I know plenty of people who are, you know, bisexual, uh, pansexual, um, who are in loving, monogamous, committed relationships with a sing- mm-hmm. with a single partner, and they're—they've never been happier in their life. And again, I think what's really lacking is coming at human sexuality, human coupling, human throupling, however it goes. Um, We we don't, as a society, come at it from a place of love. And that's what's what's gotta change. That's that's what, again, that's what I try to do is I approach these things from a place of love. Um, And, you know, Take the veil off of it, talk about it. Talk about it with your partner. If you're feeling feelings that you're like, I'm not having the best sex with you anymore, honey, and and something's changed, fucking talk about it. Talk about it, talk about it, talk about it till you're exhausted and explore together. You know, monogamy may not be the answer for your, your loving relationship.
0: Well, nothing nothing in humanity works well on a perfect binary
1: exactly uh, yeah,
0: we, it was the 1950s kinsey no <laughs> flawed limited research and flawed but he had a point in that Nothing exists on a complete binary. No one is 100% heterosexual, 100% homosexual. Exactly. No one is 100% monogamous or 100% polyamorous. Everything human dynamics is fluid.
1: It absolutely Um, is.
0: One of the things that I've discovered in sexuality being fluid is that which you enjoyed with one partner or disliked with one partner. Maybe the complete opposite with another partner
1: exactly yeah. exactly,
0: our kinks go through fluidity, you know there was a time when I thought rope was amazing, and now I haven't picked up a piece of rope in forever
1: <laughs> you're you're so you're so right because there was a time where you know I was and it was not too long ago that I was very much in a loving monogamous full DS relationship um, that was master slave and I was owned and collared Um, obviously that's dissolved and you know no animosity whatever that was it was a wonderful relationship I regret nothing um, and we split amicably but look at me now uh, there's no way I'm going to kneel, not anymore because i've i'm I'm in a different era. Everything is evolving, everything is changing, and it's fucking awesome and and uh,
0: in that arc, I would not necessarily call you a
1: switch. nope, definitely. you
0: are more of a submissive who's evolved into a dominant period, and in your dominance, you're no more a switch than you were when you were a submissive you are
1: it's like you know me
0: <laughs> we have we have known each other known each other in some degree for some time
1: i know and i need to get i really do need to get back to the city um i need i would love i would love to go you know out to la to see you at any and any and and to new york when you guys are there um it's not like i live far but it's just yeah my life is my life is very full and very busy and you know um
0: annie and i have tried or uh, discussed and, and trying to commit to getting to a few of the the various conventions in in 24 <gasps> um maybe exotica in jersey because that's pretty easy from my direction um
1: but... so that i can get on board with because that just, that's just a Metro North train ride, right? Metro North to Grand Central and Amtrak and whatever. Um, that would be awesome. I know they do the big conventions in, in Las Vegas every year, certainly Los Angeles. I um, one in Florida. Um, I think but it would be, yeah, cold. it would just be amazing to be in the same room with you two. Yeah. You know, instead of just being voices, but.
0: Yeah, I think I think this is the year to uh, and not just you from our perspective, but, you know, to, to catch up with the, some of our other previous guests. Absolutely. Fans that we talked to just get out there, um, you know, own our celebrity a little bit and get out and actually get to some of the conventions.
1: Yeah, you should because you got you guys now correct me if I'm wrong. You like the number one foot fetish podcast on Spotify, Apple?
0: Uh, we're, we're two on Spotify um, because their metric actually uh, has a, a pertinence level. And there is a podcast called The Foot Fetish Podcast. So that is abso- absolutely the number one under the category foot fetish. Uh, we are number one on Apple.
1: Fucking um, A. That's awesome. You've come so far, so fast.
0: I, I think our our favorite achievement just is the fact that we're uh, pushing into about to push into a fifth season. That we've been doing this almost four years.
1: Congratulations! Uh,
0: because podcasts became enormous the, during COVID, and then the podcast podcast bubble burst, and we're still here,
1: which is awesome. Which means you know it's proof positive that you're not only putting an important dialogue out there, but people are listening and they're latching on and they're they're talking you right you're responsible for contributing to a conversation about human sexuality relationship dynamics things that are like very important at least in my life to to talk about and to normalize
0: that's that's all we wanted and i think you know we, we focused on, on normalizing the foot fetish, but also on informing ourselves about the other parts of the, the related kinks and other parts of the kink community and everything that overlaps in our community. And that includes people like you um, who Aww. also have overlapped into our community, which is great. You know, I love hearing that you're, you know, finding your place in the foot community as well. Uh, but even if you didn't, you'd always be a, a great guest to have on. You're always a wealth of knowledge.
1: Thank you. And I, I have to apologize. Y- you may or may not hear my dog snoring in the background.
0: Uh, I'm not sure I did, but <laughs> we, can, uh,
1: we but can fess up to it he's, anyway. He's a recent addition to my life, and I'm just like thrilled to have her. And her name is Vanilla Wafer, and I love her. She's a little French bulldog. But yeah, if you hear grumbles, dear audience, that's my dog.
0: <laughs> well, um, I think that's, although the introduction of a dog isn't necessarily the the final point, I think we uh, definitely kind of brought it around to a good closing. So
1: I know, and if you don't mind, Top, I just want to wish happy holidays to a handful of kinky friends of mine that are out on the Twitter land.
0: I'll throw some shouts. Go right ahead. I'll
1: throw a shout out to my good friend Gigi and his beautiful spouse Trixie, my friend Remy, um, my friends B and Christian and Leah. Um, I love all of you very much. Happy holidays.
0: And since... Definitely, there was a little bit of a crux of a Twitter-X thing with this. I'll uh, throw a couple shout-outs to some of our newest, uh, very, very supportive fans. Um, Footmom3of3, Freakdaddy666, and Sappho's Toes. You guys have been uh, in the most recent part of my my Twitter journey. Some amazing... uh... Actually, Sappho's Toes discovered us through... I'm not sure if it was through you... But the first episode she heard was one where you were guest host. Oh, that so brings bad. it around full circle.
1: Oh my gosh, that is full circle. Beautiful. Well, if I, if I don't follow her, um, I certainly will. And I'm sure we'll find each other. Sappho's Toes. Yep. I'll, I will look it up.
0: And for everyone who wants to look you up uh, in the Twitterverse, and I still like that word. Uh, you're at Molly cocktail. All one word. That's me. And I thank you so much for uh, spending this time with me and also for uh, doing a quick fill in when any wasn't available this week.
1: You are so welcome. It's always a pleasure to be with you.
0: And thank you as always to all of our listeners and uh, sometimes viewers on YouTube. Um, you know, we do this show for you. We would do it even if you didn't like it, but we still do it for you, and and I'm sure she's given you plenty of opportunities. Some of those stories were a little steamy, so any of you have had an opportunity to masturbating to our voices this whole time, you're
1: welcome. <laughs> now, Neil, <laughs> <laughs> bye bye. Bye.